Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. That's right. You will not hear them anywhere else. Exactly. Okay, this is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. I wonder how you all are. I assume you're all excited about the federal election, he says with a smile on his face. Now, you wonder what anarchy is all about? An anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power that's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Simple ideas, simple concepts, simple people. That's what we are as anarchists, simple people. A little bit more complex than most people think. Now, outrage. You love outrage? You love outrage? Yes, it seems to be the thing of the day, isn't it? I'm I'm just amazed at what people get outraged about, you know? Some dumb cabbie or Uber driver or something goes on about, you know, whatever, taped social media, legacy media... Bang, job lost. Outrage. Everywhere. Outrage against individuals. Pack mentality. Outrage, 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 outrage. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? What's going on? What's all this outrage? What's all this outrage stuff? What's going on? You know? What's going on? I mean, I remember when Rupert Murdoch got an $886 million tax refund in the um, in 2013, just before, just after the federal election, the last federal election. I'm thinking to myself, where was the outrage? There's no outrage. No outrage on the government gelded ABC. No outrage in the corporate media. No outrage, you know. I didn't see demonstrations, and we attempted to organise demonstrations for two years, and we were lucky to get 50 people. Where's the outrage? We never seem to have outrage when corporate Australia legally pays no taxation. Where's the outrage? Where are the demonstrations? Where's the media 
jumping up and down. You never see it. You know why? Because they bloody own the media. They own the media. And the ABC is so, has been IPI, you know, IPIization. I'm trying to make a new word. Didn't work. You know, it's just extraordinary. So you see, individuals are easy. They're easy to corral. Not all individuals, just individuals that really have no real power, you know. They're easy to corral, humiliate, push aside. You can get the media jumping up and down. It's just a variation of the shonky, you know, cabinet maker or the shonky plumber or the shonky, you know, roof technician. I'm not making any excuses for them. Obviously, what they're doing is totally unacceptable. But does it really, really, you know, need that level of media coverage? Obviously it doesn't. Because while we're outraged about individuals and little things, we'll never see any media space devoted to the real issues. And that's the dilemma. That's the dilemma of this federal election. That's the dilemma of this federal election campaign. It's all about the leaders. So if you're going to be outraged and you're going to jump up and down, I can assure you that if it's something that's corporate related or something that's you know has an impact on people, you won't get any coverage. But it's about some loser, you know, I can assure you, you'll be top of the pops for 24 hours. You know, moral indignation and outrage. Now that I've got that off my chest, let's move on to the next one. Mr Muhammad Ali, the death of Mr Muhammad Ali, idealised. Now I'm old enough to remember when Mr Muhammad Ali kind of said, why should I go to Vietnam? No Viet Cong ever did me any harm. Ended up in jail and had his boxing career, you know, stalled. I remember the very newspapers and radio programs and television programs which are idealising him today because he's dead were carrying on about the traitor, the treasonable actions. I mean, the major player in Australia, you know, the Murdoch media was at the forefront of it. And this time, the Murdoch media is at the forefront, you know, of the hysteria regarding, you know, the idolisation of the man. Extraordinary. But that's, that's the thing about it. It's all about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the name of the game. Hypocrisy is the name of the game when it comes to the legacy media and the World Wide Web to a significant degree. It's all about, you know, that outrage, that moral outrage about things that are, you know, significant in that situation, but not significant in terms of the country as a whole. It's extraordinary. It really is. makes you sick to be living in 2016, but you can turn it all off, make up your own news. It's just as significant, just as relevant. And guess what? It'll be more truthful than what we uh, see today. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, next week, I'll be broadcasting to the rest of Australia because I'm going to pre-record a program. 
That's my punishment. But at the radio station I broadcast from, Radio 3CR in Melbourne, we'll be having a radio phone and I'll be trying to raise $15,000 during that hour. So um, please ring. If we don't, I'll have to uh, sell a kidney. And at my age, I don't think I'll get more than $5. So as I said, Radio 3CR has been around for 40 years. I've been at Radio 3CR for 39 years. So I think it's important that um, we get behind the radiophone here at 3CR in Melbourne and actually keep the air, the station on air for another year because it would be nice to reach the 50th birthday. Not that I think I'll be here, but at least the radio station will be here because obviously it's greater than, it's the, uh, greater than the individual. Now, talking about individuals, I was, I was having a bit of a laugh last night. I was actually at a uh, meeting for the Toscano for Dunkley campaign and uh, a serious issue was raised about the campaign. I mean, and I was, I was laughing to myself, and the issue was, should there be a photograph of yours truly on our campaign material? Obviously, I argued against it, because this, this is not an election campaign about individuals, and that's the problem with hodgem, you know, homogenised parliamentary democracy. It's all about the leadership. Turnbull, Shorten... De Natale, you know, short, Shorten says, my government, Shorten's government, Turnbull's government. It's not bloody Shorten's or Turnbull's government, whatever it turns out to be after the 2nd of July. It's the Australian people's government. They're the ones who elect the representatives, right? Let's get it right. It's not about what people look like. It's not about how they dress. I remember, you know, campaigning the Dunkley electorate, which, you know, south of Melbourne. It was interesting. Some people say, how come you're not wearing a suit? Where's your tie? I'm thinking to myself, you've been, well, I did say, I said you've been worked over by people in certain ties all your life. Why should I wear a certain tie? So it's quite interesting how parliamentary politics focuses to a significant degree on the individual candidate. And I can understand that focus because parliamentary politics is quite interesting because I can stand up and say, I can promise everybody a million dollars every day for the rest of their lives if they elect me into Parliament. But once I'm elected into Parliament, I can just put my fingers up and say, <laughs> because there's no mechanisms via which in the parliamentary, in representative democracy, in the parliamentary process, by which you can actually hold a representative to account until the next election. So that's, that is a huge weakness of parliamentary democracy. And there's other weaknesses in Australia of parliamentary democracy. See, Australia is quite interesting. It's a a relatively conservative nation, not just in terms of the attitudes of its people, which seem to be changing, but in terms, to a significant degree, in terms of the institutional structures which were created at Federation. Because in Australia, there is no mechanism by which the electorate can recall a non-performing politician in between elections. There's no power of recall. No power of recall. Not that power of recall is some type of radical concept. It you know it exists in many states in the United States, and also exists you know in terms of the appointment of judges in certain states in the United States. So the power of recall isn't some radical concept. It's a mechanism by which to keep the representative honest. Because see. Parliamentary representatives these days are really not accountable to the electorate. 
They are accountable, unless they're independent, they are accountable to the political party that endorses them to stand for a particular seat. So they're first responsibility is not to the electorate and that's why promises are broken consistently. People expect those promises to be broken because they are not responsible to the electorate. They're only responsible to the electorate every three-year period. They are responsible to the political party and a parliament which is dominated by political parties, especially if you've got three or four political parties which dominate the political process... That type of parliament really does not reflect the desires, expectations of the community as a whole. It doesn't work. And that's the dilemma that we face today. We see political parties endorsing candidates who basically follow the political party's political programs, social programs, cultural programs. And they throw tidbits to the electorate in the hope that they will be elected, especially in safe electorates. It's just, you know, it's just a bit of a laugh, really. I mean, in some countries, you don't actually, if you've got representation on a different level where, say, if you get 5% of the votes, you get 5% of the parliamentary seats. So that's a bit more democratic in terms of representation. But in Australia, very conservative. Now, in Australia, it is very hard. It's impossible for anybody outside the parliamentary process, the parliamentary representatives both in the House, the Senate and the House of Representatives, it is impossible for us to influence decision-making except through mass protest because it's only parliament which passes laws. Citizens in this country do not have the right, as they have in Switzerland and in many states in the United States and other countries around the world, do not have the right to initiate legislation through citizens-initiated referendums. The power in Australia, theoretically, rests in Parliament. Unfortunately, and this is what this election is all about, unfortunately, what we have seen over the last 40 years is unaccountable corporations whose major responsibilities to their major shareholders to make ever-increasing profits for them, who now dictate parliamentary policy. So although theoretically we have a parliamentary system, we don't. We have a plutocracy. Fancy word, plutocracy. We basically have rule of the people by a cabal, you know, by a small group of corporations and their CEOs and their major taxpayers. And nothing highlights that more in this country than the fact that major corporations in this country legally pay minimal, if any, taxation. They don't have to rot the system They don't need creative accountants. They can actually pay no taxation legally, and they do. So why have we found ourselves in a situation where the political process, the social process, 
the lifeblood of the community as a whole is, you know, filtered through the corporate sector, which says, well, if you want to pass this legislation, we will all use our power to ensure you're never elected. I mean, that, that's, that's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. So at this election, apart from the Toscano for Dunkley campaign, you will not be hearing policies that will ensure that the corporate sector pulls its weight. As I keep saying, it's a little bit like uh, living in a house and uh, Fred down the road, Fred down the road has decided that, uh, you know, he's going to move in. And he's going to use your, he's going to eat at your table. He's going to get you to wash his clothes. He's going to get you to vacuum his room. And you're all going to do it for nothing. Well, obviously, the lifestyle of the rest of the household is going to suffer. Because this person who's quite capable of pulling their weight refuses to pull their weight. We've all got experience with guests and family members who are like that and the negative impact it has on a household. Well, we have our very own Fred. Sorry, Freds of the world. We have our very own Freds in Australia. It's the corporate sector. Now, they use the courts. They use the legal system. They're quite happy the police and the armed forces are there to maintain a secure environment, you know, for their businesses. They use the roads. They use the infrastructure. They use the public service. They put their hands in the public coffer and grab fistfuls of money in as corporate welfare. And I don't they pay tax. They also get, you know, these huge tax deductions, you know. Huge tax deductions, and that's why they don't pay tax to a significant degree. So they're quite happy, quite happy to luxuriate and make a buck at the expense of everybody else. So the burden, the burden of existence in this country falls on wage earners who still make up about 70% of the tax take in this country. 70%. Well, the corporate sector would be lucky to pay 15% and most of that comes from small business. Not the corporate sector. They're lucky to pay 1% or 2%. And it's all done legally because, as I said before, the power they have in, in Parliament is quite extraordinary in terms of the legislative agenda and the political promises political parties are willing to make. Now, I mean, the current election is a classic example of what's happening in this country. Classic. Classic. Now, have you ever wondered, and I'm sure you have because you listen to the Anarchist World this week, have you ever wondered why in the lucky country, and I should put a brackets next to it for some, it is so hard for so many Australians to find a home, pay their rent or pay their mortgage? I mean, it's a perennial issue, isn't it? Have you ever wondered why it's so difficult to find affordable childcare and get a decent education for their, you know, for your kids. You ever wondered? I'm sure you have. You know, when that uh, trip comes up and you haven't got the money to send your kid on a trip, well, you start wondering. Have you ever wondered why we have so much trouble 
getting access to public hospitals and health services when sick. You know, you ever wondered about that? Have you ever wondered why it's so hard to find a job, let alone a well-paid, secured job? Have you ever wondered? I'm sure most people wonder every day. And have you ever wondered why on some days it's hard to put food on the table and pay gas and electricity bills and all those other bills which, you know, occur when we, when we, you know, when we dare to breathe? That's the problem. We dare to breathe. We dare to breathe. The air around us, you've got a problem. Have you ever wondered? I mean, I know I've said this every week, but I think it encapsulates the situation we find ourselves in. You know, ever wondered why 24 million people living on a resource-rich continent can't even meet the basic needs of all its citizens and residents? You know, it's something that keeps you awake at night, isn't it? It really does. Have you ever wondered why we have the highest rate of uh, private debt in the world? Extraordinary, isn't it? But the list goes on and on. You wonder and wonder and wonder. Well, you know, we're told we live in a lucky country. And I wonder how many people realise, and I'm sure... Maybe some do that the richest one percent in this country own forty percent of the wealth, while the poorest forty percent own one percent of the wealth. That's the situation the egalitarian society we live in. I nearly vomited then, didn't I? Egalitarian community. So, what's this foray into Dunkley? What's this all about? What's what's all this garbage about? You know, because it's interesting. When you're campaigning on the ground, it's a little bit different to sit in a radio station and pontificating about the ills of the world. It's a little bit different because you're faced with reality on a daily basis. And the sentiments, the people who are campaigning in in the Toscano for Dunkley campaign, and there are many people doing this currently, it's very interesting because commonly held views that are expressed by those who like to have a chat. Obviously, some people just tell you to, you know, move on. You know, things like they're disillusioned, they're angry, they're withdrawn, they don't trust politicians, and most importantly, there is this great dissatisfaction with the current parliamentary process. And it all balls around at the ideas that, you know, people promise them everything and then deliver nothing. So there is this growing level of disillusionment in the country. And the idea of actually standing in Dunkling, which is an electorate which covers five or six major suburbs, 104 square kilometres, it's uh, to the south of Melbourne, uh, it covers sub- suburbs like Mornington, Mount Eliza, Langwarren, you know, words that means nothing to you. Caringle, Frankston, North, South and Frankston Central. Seaford, a little bit of Sky, Baxter and Caram Downs. I mean, over 220,000 people live in this area and about 100,000 on the electoral roll. So the interesting thing about Dunkley is it's a microcosm of life in Australia. Microcosm. It's got the, some of the richest people in the world living in Oliver's Hill and some of the poorest people in the world... Sorry, in some of the most richest people in Australia living in Oliver's Hill and some of the most poorest people living in Australia living in North Frankston in the Pines. So it is a microcosm. You know, it's, it's a suburb that has issues with, you know, uh, drug addiction, crime, 
but more importantly, unemployment, uh, access to public health care, access to public education, uh, high rates of youth unemployment, and the list goes on and on. So in many ways, it's, you know, it's metropolitan Australia. And the problem is that our political masters, the Turnbulls and the Shortens of the world, and their political masters, the Packers and the Stokes, and the list goes on and on, keep telling us we've never had it so good. That if we leave it to them and we give the private sector its head, the corporates, let's not call it the private sector, the corporate sector its head, it's all going to be all right, Joe. It's all going to be okay. You're going to get secure jobs. You're going to have funding for public hospital and the list goes on and on. Just trust us. Trust us. I, mean, I don't know why used car salespeople have had such a hard time. I've never had a trouble for used cars. Salespeople have always bought used cars. But I have had a lot of trouble with political representatives. So why stand? Why waste my time and money? Because I'm actually funding this campaign myself. And I'm funding it myself so there's been no accusations of us, you know, rorting money. And what's the campaign all about? Well, the idea is to use the electoral process as a mechanism via which to raise ideas in the community that things don't need to be the way they are. It's about using the electoral process as a propaganda process. It's about one of the few times when Australians think within a political framework to use ideas to try to break through the, you know, into public consciousness about there is other ways. Because we're told consistently that the way to ensure that it all continues to tick over is that we screw people, the 33% of Australians on Social Security benefits, screw wage earners and let the investment class and the corporate sector go their merry way and hopefully, occasionally, they'll brush off a few tables to small business wage earners and people on Social Security benefits. That's what we're told. And we're told we need to do this because there's not enough income. Look, I agree. I'm the first one to agree. There isn't enough income. And there isn't enough income, not because we've got an overly generous social security system. I'm sure anybody's on a, anybody on a social security benefit will tell you it's a hand-to-mouth existence. And when that electricity or gas bill comes in, especially if you're paying rent, it's almost impossible. You've got to rely on friends to tie you over. I'm sure everybody will tell you that. That's not the issue. The issue is, the central issue in this election campaign, what we are trying to make the central issue in the electorate of Dunkley, is making the rich, richest 1% pay 1%. We don't want an arm and a leg. We're not asking for revolutionary change. We're just asking for a, a miserable $150 billion. And you can find $150 billion from the corporate sector for public health, public education, public housing, public infrastructure, public renewable energy facilities, and the list goes on and on. And the funding of a social security system that actually meets people's needs. 
because the current budget is $450 billion. If you increase that to $600 billion, it does give you options, which we don't have today without screwing people. And it all revolves around making the richest 1% pay 1%. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. Uh, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. So what are we advocating? Blood in the streets? No. Violent revolution? No. A mildly reformist agenda? Yes. Simple. How do you raise $150 billion from the corporate sector? How do you stop their fancy accountants from uh, screwing away the money? How do you stop the draining to the Cayman Islands and uh, the Netherlands and Ireland? You know, all these... How do you stop all these fancy little financial structures they create in order to um, not pay tax? Legally, of course. Let's not forget that. When Mr Rupert Murdoch received an $886 million refund in 2013. It was all legal. That's the thing is, they, they don't need to do anything illegal because the laws are structured in such a way as to benefit them consistently. You wrote the social security system and see what happens to you, boys and girls. So what, what's this brilliant, mildly reformist plan which the Toscano for Dunkley campaign is raising, not just the electorate of Dunkley but nationally? It's very simple. It's so simple that the next parliament could do it if you had representatives in it who are willing to follow this formula. Very simple. How about introducing a 1% stock market turnover tax? Wow, I could hear you say, What about my superannuation? My superannuation fund invests 50% of my money in stocks and shares. I'll have to pay 1%. Well, boys and girls, that 1% would ensure that when you're an old person, you've got a decent public health system and you can actually get decent care and a decent pharmaceutical benefits scheme so you could actually buy your medications, wouldn't it? So stop thinking just about your own personal situation. So a 1% stock market turnover tax would raise approximately $30 billion per year, give or take a billion or two. That's a 1% stock market turnover tax. Simple. So who, who, you know, they always talk about mum and dad investors. It's not mum and dad investors that do most of the investing on the stock market. It's basically superannuation funds and corporations. Why shouldn't they pay a 1% stock market turnover tax? How about, how about, now this is a bit mildly reformist, how about a 1% turnover tax for companies with a yearly turnover of more than $2 million? Oh, you say. So the Googles of the world who make billions of dollars but pay, you know, minimal taxation in Australia, if they have to pay a 1% turnover tax, it means they pay 1% on the billions of dollars. That's a you know, that they, they turn over. You know, you could raise $30 billion. And why the $2 billion million mark? To keep 
small and micro business, and I'm talking about small and micro business. I'm not talking about, you know, small business, which turns over a billion dollars, which is what the federal government thinks a small business is. I'm talking about, you know, small and micro businesses. You know, keep them out of it. You know, 30 billion. How about, how about another mildly reformist little thing? How about a 1% financial services tax for every transaction above $50,000, excluding the family home? And you could actually say that if, you know, you can only do one $50,000 transaction a month, if you do more, you've got to pay the turnover tax so you get rid of that loophole. You can raise $40 billion, give or take one or two billion. That's already 30, 30 and 40. That's $100 billion. Simple. No blood in the streets. Mildly reformist agenda. Pass it through Parliament. It's a little bit like a corporate GST. As they make the bucks, they pay the bucks. And last but not least, now I know you love the goods and services tax. I know you love the goods and services tax because everybody in the country pays a goods and services tax. And I know that when you pay your gas bill and your electricity bill, you're very glad that you pay your goods and services tax because it goes to keeping the public health system, the public education system going because all the money goes to the states. I know you're very glad. Well, guess what? Guess what? Do you know the goods and services tax is a tax deduction for companies and businesses. Did you know that? So they give on one hand and get it back on the other hand. So they're actually not paying the goods and services tax because if you ever wondered why the goods and services tax it only raise, what, 70, 80 billion a year, you can see why because it basically comes from people who can't claim it as a GST deduction. So why don't we introduce another little mildly reformist piece of legislation in Parliament? the removal of GST tax deductions for companies that have a yearly turnover greater than $5 million. You could raise $50 billion. Now we've got $150 billion. Now, look, my mathematics isn't very good, but give or take $10 billion either way. It's about right. So you could actually increase the budget by $150 billion by 33%. You could resolve a lot of the current issues that plague us like homelessness. You know, you could resolve a lot of these issues. Not enough detoxification beds, not enough rehabilitation beds, you know, in the public health system, not enough resources going to public education, and the list goes on and on. But, yes, it's like the person who threw in the steak knives with your purchase on late-night TV. But there's more! There's more! That's right. There's more. Who are the greatest beneficiaries of making the richest 1% pay 1% through these new taxes? 1% stock market turnover tax, 1% turnover tax for companies with a yearly turnover of more than $2 million, 1% financial services tax for every transaction above 50000 including the family home, and the removal of GST tax deductions for companies and individuals that have a yearly turnover greater than $5 million. Who are the beneficiaries? Not only are the 33% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits the beneficiaries, not only are wage earners and their families and the beneficiaries, 
But the 5 million small businesses in this country, of which 90% close within five years of actually being established, that employ over 8 million people, almost 60% of the workforce, they are one of the greatest beneficiaries of making the richest 1% pay 1%. And I'll tell you why. And this is why small business has got its knickers in a knot, because they think their employees are the enemy. They think regulation is the enemy. I mean, that's their mindset. Well, the reality is the enemy are large corporations who legally pay little if any tax, who have a stranglehold on trade within a particular sector of the economy. They are the enemy of small business. And by introducing these mildly reformist uh, program, mildly reformist, nothing radical or revolutionary about it. I mean, it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Here we are in 2016. It takes a radical anarchist to actually introduce the mildly reformist program and stand in, 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 in as a candidate in order to raise these issues in an electorate. I mean, it's quite extraordinary. But that's the way politics is today. There are no alternatives. There are no huge programs for reforms, especially economic reforms and structural reforms. I mean, there are single issues, campaigns, some more effective than others, and there'll be many political parties based on the concept of a single issue campaign. So that's what it's about, Charlie. It's very simple. It's a very simple campaign. But we do have a problem. We always have problems. Now, if you think that if you become involved in this campaign that I will be elected, you need your head read. The chances of that occurring are almost equal to a snowflake in hell's chance of survival. So this is not a tilt at political power. This is using the political processes, the electoral process, to actually raise significant important ideas in the community. And that's why the campaign is focused around these four ideas of making the richest 1% pay 1% because it actually undermines people's faith in the system as a whole when they understand how it works. So how can you help? Well, it's simple. It's very simple. If you live in the electorate of Dunkley, you can put one in the box next to my name which will have the word independent next to it because I'm not standing for a political party. I'm standing as an independent. So you can put one in that box. But remember... You've got a number every box on the green ballot paper, which is the House Representative ballot paper, for your vote to be valid. Now, we are not directing preferences. We are making no deals with nobody. We are here to introduce an idea into the electoral game. We are here to make this the major issue of the next decade. Because if we don't make this the major issue of the next decade, we will find the social dislocation which is occurring today will continue 
continue to play a critical role in this society. So that's what we're here for. All right? You don't live in Dunkley. Well, that doesn't mean we don't need you. We need lots of people today and tomorrow and next week till the 2nd of July to actually letterbox Dunkley. 104 square kilometres, not not much, is it? 110,000 households, not much, is it? We need lots of people. So if you live out in the burbs, if you're bored with the current political campaigns that you're hearing, if you're not really enamoured of any other political party, if you want to do something, if you're sick of twiddling, you know, the net, if you're sick of twiddling the dial on your radio, if you're sick of, you know, using your remote control to jump from station to station because there's nothing really there that interests you, if you're tired of being inconsequential, of actually, you know, living the living the capitalist life, consume, defecate and die quietly. If you're happy with that, you go ahead and do that. You consume, you defecate, you die quietly. But if you want a little bit of excitement, not that I'm saying letterboxing is excitement, give us a call. 0439 395 489. Haven't got a phone, a mobile phone? Go to the Facebook page, Toscano for Dunkley. Or um, go to the webpage, uh, com. Tell us you want to help. We'll deliver some leaflets and off you go. See the other side of the city. See the other different part of Victoria or Australia you're not used to. Then, the third way you can help is... Now, you know, M- Malcolm Turnbull is really out of touch with the world. You know, this man is really out of touch. I mean, I don't usually make personal attacks on people because what's the point? I mean, I don't want to waste my breath on them. You know, I've got better things in my life to do than make personal attacks on people. That's why we run these campaigns on a policy issues, right? Now, who would call an election in the middle of winter during school holidays? Malcolm Turnbull. <laughs> Maybe it's a dastardly pot. Maybe it's too cold and people won't go out and vote. And uh, they expect that uh, that may help their electoral chances, the fact that participation levels will decrease. But, you know... You really have to think about the you know the Liberal National Party, their uh, political sense. Holding an election in the mid of winter during school holidays, extraordinary. So what that means is there'll be lots of people who do pre-polling. Now, theoretically, you need a significant excuse to pre-poll, but I have been told by deep frosts within the Electoral Commission, the Australian Electoral Commission is so keen to get people to vote, they've, they've actually been asked not to ask people why they're pre-polling. So I expect about 20,000 people, about one-fifth of the electorate, in every electorate will pre-poll, you know? And when you pre-poll, there's only not many polling booths. In the electorate of Dunkley, there are two polling booths, you know? Two polling booths. There is the one of the Australian Electoral Commission at 20 Davies Street in Frankston, and then there's another polling booth next to the Quest Hotel, which is a huge multi-level apartment complex you can't miss you know, on the main road in Frankston. If you go down there, next to it, there is the, the other polling booth. It's around 400 Nepean Highway in Frankston. Now, we need at least four to six people every day from this next Tuesday, that's the 14th, from the 14th, to the 30th of June 
no, to the 1st of July to actually hand out how to vote leaflets. We haven't got how to vote cards. We've got a leaflet which actually highlights what we're on about, which pushes the policies, and hopefully whether people vote for us or not doesn't really matter. They will take the leaflet, take it home, have a look at the website, maybe become a little bit more radicalised, maybe get involved in mildly reformist political programs. We've got to start somewhere. So if you can help there, you know, and both and both both polling booths are within walking distances of the railway station. Um, the one next to the Quest would be less than 500 metres and the other one would be about 700 metres from the railway station. So they're all within walking distance of the Ra- Frankston Railway Station. Give us a call, 0439 395 489. Ain't got a phone. You can always write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at info at Toscano4, that's the number 4, dunkley.com. That's D-U-N-K-L-E-Y. Or you can go to the web Facebook page, Toscano for Dunkley. As I said, we need people. Obviously, there are many local people involved, but it'd be nice to get people outside the electorate to get involved in the campaign so then they can take the same ideas to their own parts of the world. And then last, oh well, second last but not least, and this is this is going to be a big ask. We need about a hundred and fifty people. Did you hear that? A hundred and fifty people on the second of July to hand out literature at polling booths. There will be about forty-five polling booths in the electorate of Dunkley, and that stretches from Mornington. That'll be Mornington, Mount Eliza, Frankston. Frankston North, Frankston South, Langwarren North, Langwarren South, Seaford. Some are near railway stations, some are near bus stops, but you can get to them. We need people from 8am, that's right, 8am to 6pm on polling day. Three for each polling centre. And again, if you can help, same routine. Now, everybody likes to have a launch, and although we've been active for the last three to four weeks in the electorate of Dunkley, and for a year before that with public interests before corporate interests. You know, everybody likes a launch. So we are going to have a launch. That's right, a launch. At 11am, 11am on Tuesday, the 14th of June, the day pre-polling starts. And we're going to have that launch, and this is very easy for you to get to, You don't need a car. You just need to jump on a train. We're going to have that launch next to the To The Beach. You like the red To The Beach installation in front of Frankston Station. Open public launch, which everybody in Melbourne is welcome to. So come along. Now, if you are in Frankston or the electorate of Dunkley and you are really interested in the minutiae of politics... This Friday, the 10th of June, at midday, the Australian Electoral Commission will be drawing the balls out of a little container to determine the order of people on the ballot paper. Now, hopefully a few people will turn up to that just to make the democratic process interesting. So, as I said before, it is a tragedy it is a tragedy that you have radicals having been forced into promoting reformist, mildly reformist initiatives. 
I mean, politics in this country has become so skewed, has become such a thing of the corporate sector, that we have, you know, people like Turnbull, a man who calls an election in midwinter during a school holiday period, you know, the middle of the school holidays, the middle of the school holidays, not the beginning of the end, but the bloody middle of the school holidays. He's a genius. Him and his team are geniuses. I've seen them campaign. They are geniuses. Nice suit, Malcolm. Nice suit. I can assure you I won't be wearing a suit. So, you know, these geniuses are, are campaigning and they're, they're telling us we need to squeeze our belts. And then Malcolm says, Mr Shorten is the most left-wing leader in a generation of the ALP. And I'm thinking, huh, huh, huh? And then, and then they keep saying they're in the middle of a war. And I say, yeah, there has been a war for the last 40 years. We have been in the middle of a war. Most people haven't noticed it. But, you know, they've noticed their living standards slipping, or more importantly, they've noticed their private debt increasing because the way you maintain your your lifestyle in 21st century Australia is you increase your private debt as your assets price increases, your housing increases. You just increase the mortgage, you know. That's all you do. Or you take out a credit card and you increase your your public, you know, your private debt. You know, that's what you do. That's why you've got the highest private debt in the, in the world. So going back to what I was saying, so... And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, these people are crazy, totally crazy. And then when they talk about removing negative gearing, as if for old houses, not new homes, just old houses, it's some type of Marxist revolutionary plot. And then when you make, you know, a few changes to superannuation to ensure people that have got millions of dollars in their superannuation account can't use superannuation as a mechanism by which to stop paying tax. It's as if the world has come to an end. This affects 2% of Australians. Extraordinary. That is the nature of the campaign. But when it comes to people saying, we'll increase the new start allowance, you'd think you'd shot the Pope. You'd think you'd shot the Pope. And when you say there needs to be a little bit more money into, the, into Medicare, you think you're a pedophile. The reaction. It's just extraordinary. Extraordinary reaction. And when you say, well, we should have a living wage. I mean, they just had a referendum in Switzerland about introducing a living wage because not everybody needs to work in a highly mechanised society. So how are people going to survive? My God, you must be out of your mind. You must need ECT therapy. You know, and be forcefully medicated. I mean, that is the standard and the nature of the debate. And you do have options. You do have options. You can run this pro. You can't stand for election, but you can run this same mildly reformist program in your electorate. You can take some of these leaflets and do it there. Because this is a campaign about ideas. And we don't have campaigns about ideas because... There is no such thing anymore as a public intellectual. I mean, the university's role was to provide people to comment on issues of the day. And I remember 40, 50 years ago, you'd have university lecturers and professors saying, this is wrong, this is right, we should do this, we should do that. These days, there are no such thing as public intellectuals because everybody signs some type of confidentiality agreement regarding about talking without permission, you know, from the boss or the professor or whatever. And if you talk out of line, you lose your job. Quite extraordinary. It is really extraordinary. So 
It's people like us, you and me, you and me, people who are going to help us get these ideas across in this election. It's people like us who are making the difference. We are the people we've been waiting for. And as I keep saying to people, why don't you join public interest before corporate interests? Very simple. Download the application from public interest before corporate interests. Give us a ring. Same number, 0439 395 489. I mean, this election campaign is not the end of it. This is just one little ripple in that campaign to ensure public interest always takes precedence over corporate interests. As I said, you've got options. You can be Rip Van Winkle and sleep for 25 years and try to forget all about it. You can actually uh, take part in this particular little campaign if you wish. You can join public interests before corporate interests. You can slash your wrists, you know, sniff that glue. But the essence is, the essence of change is participation. You don't participate, you don't force change. It's not about voting in an election. It's about doing something. Look, I don't care if you vote, if you don't vote, if you vote informal, if you mark every box, you do what you want to do. But the important thing is that if you want change, we need to fill that vacuum which has been created through the disillusionment which is occurring with the parliamentary system today. And if you don't fill that vacuum, other authoritarian forces will fill that vacuum. And it's important that we organise, work together, become involved. And finally, I'd like to thank all those people that came to the Mabo uh, commemoration at Federation Square last Friday and all those people who came to Ballarat on Saturday who were involved in the campaign to see the Eureka flag raised on the main flagpole on the uh, Ballarat City Hall. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. As I said, next week at the radio station, I broadcast this program from on the Community Radio Network, that's 3CR, I will be involved in a radio phone. I'm trying to raise $15,000. If I can't raise $15,000, I'll have to donate a kidney to someone. If I can't do it, the producer will donate two kidneys, I've been told. Now, so th- those of you who are listening to the program will be involved in the radio phone, give generously. You can get a legal, legitimate tax deduction for listening the an- to the Anarchist World this week. The rest of the listeners, don't despair. I'm going to pre-record a program for you so you won't have to listen to the Radiophone dribble. It may not be up to date because it's going to be pre-recorded but there will be a program for the rest of Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thanks to you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week. Join us in the Toscano for Dunkley campaign. Listen to us next week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Remember, the program is podcast 3cr.org dot a u evil minds that plot destruction sorcerer of death's construction an analysis you'll never hear anywhere else anarchist world this week australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse 
10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.